Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, uh, listeners. We're just doing a bit of chair swapping for the controls here so we get John used to operating the panel. Good morning and welcome to Keep Left, the program of the Victorian College, uh, Labour College. In the studio with John Lafferty and morning, everybody. Chris Gaffney. Well, uh, I'm going to talk again today about Bernie Sanders, the Vermont senator who calls himself a democratic socialist. And in a very exciting sort of turn of events, he's moved ahead of Hillary Clinton, the other contender for the Democratic nomination. And uh, the initial poll will be for the uh, in Iowa, and that'll follow up in New Hampshire. Uh, the negative side, if you like, is that his, his uh, candidature is calculated to try and channel growing social opposition and burgeoning anti-capitalist feelings back behind the Democratic Party in order to render the opposition politically harmless. Now, whether that's going through his head, but that's the function he will probably perform. Um, he has uh, he uh, opposes public, for example, he opposes public ownership of the corporations and banks, and he opposes the unification of workers across national boundaries. He lines up with the trade unions in opposing trade trade deals on the basic of basis of economic nationalism and anti-Chinese chauvinism. Uh, the touchstone of his policies is his full support for Obama's imperialist wars in the Middle East and Central Asia. If elected, his promises of universal health care, eminently supportable, a higher minimum wage and free college tuition would be quickly jettisoned in line with his support for American imperialism and its wars which are bound up with the class war against the living standards and rights of workers and youth in the United States. Despite this, there is a great significance to the growth of popular support for a candidate who speaks against social inequality and calls himself a socialist in a country where anti-communism has been almost like a state religion. For decades, socialism has been uh, uh, politically quarantined in America, uh, a battery of anti-democratic election laws make it virtually impossible for a socialist opponent of the two big business parties to obtain ballot uh, status. Now, under these conditions, nevertheless, Saunders has won a level of support that he, least of all, anticipated, reflecting a broad shift to the left and a political radicalisation amongst working people and young people. Tens of millions of people in America are disgusted with the existing economic and social political setup and are looking for a uh, political alternative. Uh, it's also significant that this support has happened during two months of non stop media scaremongering over the various terrorist attacks following the events in Paris and San Bernardino. Bernardino. Sorry. The support for Sanders has exploded a whole range of fictions about the American people and American politics. In a country where anti-socialism has been a religion for the better part of a century, 
where socialist ideas have been completely excluded from the politics, now it, it turns out that socialist ideas are becoming popular. Who would have thought it? In America. A recent poll, this is amazing, a recent poll showed that a majority of Democratic voters in Iowa identify themselves as socialists. How many? A majority. I'll give you the figures. It just said the majority of Democratic voters in Iowa identified themselves as socialists as compared with those identifying themselves as capitalists. Now, that could be pretty vague about what those terms mean, but it's interesting that there are more people who are happy to say, I'm a socialist, rather than I'm a capitalist. Well, most of the people who say I'm a capitalist are usually poor as dirt and they're no more capitalist than I am, but what they mean is they support the capitalist. So a, a, a Gov poll of Iowa showed Saunders leading Clinton among voters 18 to 29. The that is by support. young people. Yeah, he's got a huge youth support. By 74% mm. to 14%. So... Um, in a country where the entire media establishment is obsessed with questions of race, gender and sexual orientation, basic class issues have been buried. It turns, it turns out, surprisingly to everybody, what really concerns the vast majority of people are fundamental and social economic issues that transcend the preoccupations of whether you're black, gay, straight, transgender or whatever. Um. Broad layers of work and youth are being radicalised by decades of social and economic reaction, which only intensified under Mr Hope and Change, Obama. They're appalled at the reality of endless perpetual war, like it prefigured in 1984, and the squandering of vast resources on killing and plunder overseas, while at the same time the rich are losing the economy at home by a criminal corporate and financial aristocracy. Having been fed nothing but lies by the politicians and the media, beginning with the claim that America is enjoying an economic recovery, uh, the mass of the people are reacting with a mixture of surprise and hope that a prominent presidential candidate is actually talking about things and concerning. And John made the point to me before he came on that Sanders gets directly to the point. Yeah, he does. He's he very doesn't direct speaker. obfuscate or bullshit away. He he is on to what is important, and that is the inequality. And that is a suppose very very refreshing in, a, in anyone, but definitely in a politician. Well, absolutely speaking to actual people about what they're actually living through. And in America, it's even more remar- It's even more remarkable. Uh, the past week has seen a mounting campaign by the media and the Democratic Party establishment to try and counter Saunders' rise. On Monday, Obama came as close as he possibly could to endorsing Clinton. Um, he went on to say Clinton would make a real-life difference to people in their day-to-day lives, which I find laughable. <laughs> when Clinton was confronted with some of this, she said, ah, well, you know, Saunders, he'll find that everything he proposes will be blocked, mm. you know. So, in other words, do nothing. Yeah. Do nothing. That was her thing. The Wall, Street, um, uh, the Wall Street Journal in January the 20th had a heading called Taking Saunders Seriously. And this was a warning to the corporate financial elite about the dangerous implications of Saunders' campaign. The statement made clear that the financial elite would not tolerate any of the measures that Sanders has proposed, which are modest by historical standards, 
advanced by Saunders to rein in the banks and reduce social inequality. That's just not on as far as the financial elite are concerned. Citing a Wall Street Journal NBC poll showing Saunders defeating Donald Trump by 15 points in a, in a hypothetical matchup, the newspaper worried about the possibility of a split in the Republican Party and, as they put it, an extreme election outcome. But workers and youth who are attracted to Saunders because they identify with the social ideals of economic equality and human solidarity are obliged to consider a whole range of questions that arise from the campaign of the senator. Most fundamentally, what is socialism and who are the real socialists? While Sanders trumpets against Wall Street's greed and criminality, he supports the imperialist wars being weighed by Obama in the interest of the same financial elite. But didn't he oppose the 2003 invasion of Iraq? I don't know. I, th- I don't I th- know. I think I maybe he did. He did. But there is, of course, we know that there is no struggle for socialism apart from a struggle against imperialist wars. In other words, he has a contradiction there. Saunders claims to represent the interests of working people in America, but he promotes economic nationalism and chauvinism, lining up with the trade unions in order to divert workers' anger over jobs and layoff away from the corporate elite and instead directing against workers in China, Mexico and elsewhere. In reality, socialism has always been based on internationalism, the international unity of the working class, in opposition to nationalism. Saunders is seeking to become the presidential candidate of the Democratic Party, the oldest capitalist party in the United States. He never explains how socialism can be achieved within the framework of a political party that's controlled by Wall Street, and this is why he won't succeed. He, personally, won't succeed in his endeavour, because socialism is only possible on the basis of the political independence of the working class from all capitalists parties and politicians, including the Democratic Party, and we might add the Labour Party. It requires not a policy of protest to the powers that be, which is essentially what Saunders is, but a revolutionary struggle by the working class for political power and a workers' government. The measures proposed by Saunders, the breakup of the biggest banks, free college tuition, universal health care, a $15 per hour minimum wage, it's now 7 I think. Are I, in saw, I saw it at $7. $7.50. Per, per hour. Mm-hmm. That's that. But often, mostly not paid. As I've mm. said many times before, when I was in the United States, I see people queuing outside of sort of Safeways mm. so with placards saying, I will do anything for $3 an hour. Mm. So, oh, goodness, yes, but that, that's, that's about nine, ten Australian dollars. Oh, it's not that much different, actually. The response of the ruling elite and both of its parties to the growth of social opposition, their answer, of course, is to militarise the police and establish a police state in waiting to violently crush any serious challenge to its profits and power. To provide jobs, education, housing, health care, a decent retirement and all the other necessities of life, the working class will be compelled to break the power of the financial oligarchy, seize control of its wealth and end private control over industry, finance and transportation. Socialism is inseparable from the public ownership of the means of production under the democratic control of the working people, something that Saunders has actually explicitly rejected. So he's a mixed bag. He's a mixed bag. 
But the fact that millions of Americans are thinking about yes. and prepared to vote for a society in which the corporate elite don't determine everything, where working people are given a fair go, given decent health care, is appealing more and more. And this has surprised everybody, even Saunders himself. He didn't expect to be so popular. Mm. And so um, this is really the great thing, that especially amongst young people, mm. they're becoming politicised, hopefully radicalised. They're seeing that there are alternatives. They're seeing that, that things are not as they're told they are, that socialism is just something which belongs overseas. Yes, uh, yes. You know, and, and those kind of ideas belong overseas. But look, it's got a very, very interesting election. At the moment, you've got Trump leading with the Republicans and Sanders leading with the Democrats, really, too. Well, they that's right. One paper had it, socialism versus fascism. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, it's just, it's, I, I can't imagine. But, you know, what stranger things have happened, but it does look like Clinton will become the next president. Well, he, she's, got the, she's got the backing of the corporations and uh, not forgetting that the Democratic Party hasn't changed its stripes. It's a corporate party and always has been. But then again, we thought that back in 2008, that Clinton had it stitched up, so... I mean, it wasn't. Obama wasn't as extreme as as, as Trump or oh, Sanders, but still, well, no, no. But I mean, it, it wasn't considered. I mean, before Obama did become president, you know, for six was, months. Uh, yeah, but he was, he never actually promised anything that would get no. any of us excited at all. Most media pundits wrote off the Sanders campaign on the grounds that the American people had lost interest in social inequality. And the crimes of Wall Street. You lose an interest. Hmm? You lose an interest in social inequality. That's right, that's right. (laughs) And uh, so they decided to focus on the the, the problem of terrorist attacks. But they were wrong. The lead editorial in the January 20th Wall Street Journal says, quote, the heading is saying, taking Saunders seriously. And it voiced the alarm that's growing within the ruling class. They don't like what's happening here. Not because they actually fear Bernie Saunders will win, because he won't. What they're frightened of is that he's stirring up all these layabouts, I mean us, <laughs> layabouts, workers, <laughs> students, um, and as, as the, the Wall Street Journal said, the possibility of an extreme electoral outcome is no longer unthinkable. Look, I mean, the very idea that, I mean, the little bit I've seen of Saunders, Sanders, his name's Sanders, Sanders, of yeah. Sanders speaking is, you know, he directly attacks Wall Street, he directly attacks the financiers. This should be popular because these guys are crooks. Oh, falling off from the 2000-2008 financial they crisis. They're totally crooks. The government's in there with them, of course, representing them. But the... This is popular, and it's been seen as being popular. Yes. Oh no, it's 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 quite exciting. Even though we have, we know that Saunders won't deliver the goods because he's in the Democratic Party, and he's closed the door to many of the things that would be made necessary for socialism. He was an independent up until last year. Right. Right. The thing is that both Trump and Sanders seem to be stirring up, you know, one more progressively, one very reaction mm. uh, best. Uh, they seem to be stirring up a populism. Well, that's right. People, that that's know. that's well observed. Yes. Uh, what's interesting too is that the Democratic Party, in their desperation, are looking towards a third independent candidate <laughs> to bypass Saunders, yeah. and they've come up with Michael Bloomberg. Who revealingly uh, old uh, New York man? New York man, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But Mr. Bloomberg is spending a billion dollars of his own money, of his own thirty-seven billion dollar empire. Really? So no real change there. He's a yeah. corporate chap, you'd have yeah. to say. Uh, the 
Clinton campaigns in deep crisis. Uh, the First Lady uh, faces the prospect of losing Iowa and New uh, Hampshire. The Old First Lady. Hillary hmm. Clinton. Who? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, the old yeah. first lady, yeah. Until recently, Sanders did little to attack Clinton directly, but he's begun to point out that she received $600,000 in speaking fees from just one Wall Street financial house, Goldman Sachs, in one year. Uh, so, who does she represent, I wonder? Clinton has responded by wrapping herself even more thoroughly in the mantle of uh, the Obama administration, touting its reactionary and discredited policies, including Obamacare. And is it to be expected that Obama will come out and like, you know, put his hat in with uh, one of the candidates, or don't they do that? Uh, I'm sure he will unofficially... Give his oh he wants he doesn't want Sanders hmm. he doesn't want Sanders. Um, other Clinton surrogates have invoked anti-communism. Hmm. Senator Claire McCaskill of Missouri said, "Missouri, Missouri, <laughs> Missouri, Missouri said Republicans can't wait to run an advert with a hammer and sickle." Oh yeah, against Saunders in the general the election campaign. Yeah. Another Missouri Democrat, Jay Nixon called on the National Guard to crush peaceful protests in Ferguson in the wake of police killing of Michael Brand joined in. Here in the heartland, he said, we like our politicians in the mainstream. And he's not. He's, gulp, a socialist. Yeah. But the thing is with Sanders, I mean, like, he, he does have to be very, very careful. I mean, put yourself in his shoes with what he says. I mean, if he was seriously to come out against American wars, I saw an interview where they tried to sort of, like, paint him as being unpatriotic for yeah, not yeah. supporting all these wars. So if he comes out and is a little bit too critical, he's coming up against some serious people with serious weapons who can... Well, you know, if you look at American history, I mean, they fought get killed for an awful lot less. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he even without, even though he doesn't hold the promise of bringing socialism to America or anything remotely like, he's still scaring the yeah. living bejesus out mm. of the ruling class, who are used to having elections conducted on which capitalist party will we not trust for the next three years. And now this is a change, and this is extremely welcome. And it's rewarding to your Marxists, because ordinary people are talking about their interests instead of it being reflected through the interests of the ruling class. He's talking which is about in actual Australia. life and actual In actual problems. life and the problems that, yeah. that these actual people will face, mm. not the made-up problems of the corporations, mm. which is what Labour and Liberal in this country live exactly. on. That's all I've got to say, but I yeah. think it looks quite exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's the first time. I haven't heard the word bejesus for a long time. I'm <laughs> not right. sure what it means. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember it from the past. I'm also going to be speaking about American affairs. Go for it. And I'm going to wade into something which uh, may be a little bit taboo. It's certainly a little bit controversial. Go on. But, um, Shock me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on September the 11th, 2001, many people around the world were transfixed as they watched um, amazing images coming out of New York City. The TV images we saw were of two separate passenger planes flying into the two buildings of the World Trade Center. Within two hours, both of these buildings collapsed, causing the deaths of thousands of people trapped inside of them and trapped inside of the hijacked planes. Following these crashes, another passenger plane was crashed into the Pentagon, the headquarters of the U.S. Department of Defense. A fourth plane was also hijacked, but its hijackers were overpowered by passengers and ended up in a field in Pennsylvania. 
The four incidents took the lives of 2,996 people. American suspicion for the attack quickly focused on the terrorist group Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda's leader Osama bin Laden initially denied any involvement. However, in 2004, just prior to the presidential re-election of George W. Bush, bin Laden did acknowledge his group's involvement. He said, quote, We are a free people who do not accept injustice. We want to regain the freedom of our nation. These events have gone down in American and world history as being of such momentous importance that they are often just referred to as numbers, just a date, 9-11. As a causes belli or a reason for war, 9-11 is only rivaled by Pearl Harbor and the American establishment's world view. Now, Although this, they this, uh, didn't attack the people who actually, I mean, the CIA reckoned of the 19 bombers, 11 of them were Saudi Arabians. Yes, I think it's more than that. Yes, yeah, so quite a few. Well, Most, a lot the vast majority, yeah. But then they went and attacked Iraq. <laughs> Afghanistan initially. Initially, that's Afghanistan right. initially. That's right. I'll, I'll yes, get that quite, in a second. You're quite right. But I'm just going through stuff which pe- yeah, everybody yeah. in the you know, dog knows, okay? Um, the most important thing, I think, though, about 9 11 is just that how it was used by the US and other Western governments to initiate the so-called war on terror, Mm. and in particular, the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001 and then Iraq in 2003. There has been a lot of conjecture over who knew what or who was really behind these events. Over the years, many people have come to question what the authorities have told us about what happened. Mm. It is important that an informed population know what is happening in our society, and it shouldn't be too much to ask that elected governments tell their electorates the truth. However, governments have frequently lied to us about their reasons for taking us to war. I would actually argue they always lied to us. Yes. Putting 9-11 aside... It has become well established in the years following 2003 that the invasion of Iraq by US and Allied forces was based on at least two lies. The first and smaller Just claim the two. at least two. <laughs> the first and the smaller claim was that there was a link between al-Qaeda and the regime of Saddam Hussein. In fact, Saddam Hussein's government was a long-time enemy of al-Qaeda. No link between the two could be established, and so that line of you know, propaganda yeah, that was, was dropped. An ab- outrageous lie, yes. The second, the biggest lie, was the claim by almost all Western politicians that Iraq possessed weapons of mass destruction and therefore posed a terrible threat to its neighbours, notably Israel. US Republicans and Democrats, UK Labour rights and Conservatives, and Australian Liberals and Labour rights all lined up to state that Iraq possessed these WMDs and must be dealt with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were told the country had to be invaded and Saddam Hussein regime had to be overthrown. For example, following a visit to Iraq in 2002, Kevin Rudd, I believe he was then the shadow foreign minister, said this, quote, Saddam Hussein possesses weapons of mass destruction. That is a matter of empirical fact. And yet... As Prime Minister in 2008, Rudd hypocritically questioned the then Liberal opposition, saying, quote, Has any evidence of a link between WMD and the former Iraqi regime been found? No. 
Right, right. Uh, yeah, right. Rudd was, of course, right the second time around, but he was just five years too late. By 2014, even the man who took Australia to war, John Howard, said this, and I love this quote, quote, I was struck by the force of the language used in the American National Intelligence Assessment of 2002. In paragraph after paragraph, they said we judge Iraq has WMDs, the next quote. When learning later on that Iraq did not have WMDs, Howard says this, quote, I felt embarrassed. I did. (laughs) I couldn't believe it because I had genuinely believed it. So I felt embarrassed. That's stupid. I mean, on what, forgetting everything else, he must be as thick as a brick. If that's true, I don't believe it's true. This quote, oh, no, yeah, well, no, no, I don't believe it's true. I don't believe it's not true, not true either. But it's a brilliant quote. I felt embarrassed. I did. <laughs> I, I'm embarrassed. Embarrassed. I, that's I, I did. I mean, he's you know, not he's suffering. So, no, not. Yes. I did. I couldn't believe it because I had genuinely believed it. So I felt embarrassed. And I did my best to explain that it wasn't a deliberate deception. Now, this is a man who struggles to say sorry, but he does go as far as he probably ever will to say that the 2003 invasion of Iraq was based on at least one falsehood. There were a lot. I think this is the biggest one, though. Mm. It must be remembered that before the invasion, numerous UN weapons inspectors had stated that they had no evidence for Iraqi weapons of mass destruction. Repeatedly. Repeatedly, Repeatedly said it. There was one mm. guy, John. Ramsey. Uh, yeah. It was always. I, yes, I, 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 it was in the media. I said, they, yeah, they, they don't have any. Repeatedly. They do not have any. Repeatedly. The point to be made here is that even if the US government's version of what happened in 9 11 was proven to be a total lie, it wouldn't change what happened in the intervening years. It wouldn't bring back all the people killed and maimed in the Middle East and Afghani conflicts since then. People who care to know already know that our politicians lie, especially when it comes to war. It doesn't seem to have reduced the amount of wars that we get uh, rushed into, we get involved in. For instance, the bloodiest imperialist war of the last 70 years was the American war in Vietnam. It was largely built on a lie known as the Gulf of Tonkin Incident. By 1964, the US had already what were called special advisors in Vietnam, sent in by John F. Kennedy to encourage opposition to the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese. The new US government, after Kennedy was assassinated, the new government of Lyndon Baines Johnson needed a reason to properly invade Vietnam. So they fabricated one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was decided that on August 2nd, 1964, the American destroyer USS Maddox was performing what are called routine operations when it was attacked by three North Vietnamese torpedo boats. A sea battle was said to have taken place. Two days later, the Americans also claimed that more North Vietnamese torpedo boats were involved in a second incident. The outcome of these two incidents was the passage by the U.S. Congress of the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. Mm. President Johnson was given authority to, quote, assist any Southeast Asian country jeopardized by communist aggression, unquote. This this resolution opened the way for an all-out American invasion of Vietnam, which resulted in millions of people being killed over the next 11 years. Now, the man who was the U.S. Secretary of Defense, all through this time, 
from 1961 to 1968 was Robert S. McNamara. In 2003, McNamara himself admitted that there was no battle in the first Gulf of Tonkin incident. As for the second Gulf of Tonkin incident, he stated in 2003, The Fog of War, a very good documentary, he stated that no such incident ever took place. Mm. It was a fabrication used to justify the invasion of another country. This is from the man at the top. Yeah, yes, no. yes. There's no question about Tonkin. McNamara, the man largely responsible for the invasion of Vietnam, said, quote, None of our allies supported us, not Japan, not Germany, not Britain, nor France. If we can't persuade nations with comparable values of the merit of our cause, we'd better re-examine our reasoning. It's a wonderful quote, this one. Yes. It is interesting that the first... Not that they ever did, or yeah. do. Support the US. No, I mean, re-evaluate things. Oh, yeah. re-evaluate things. So, yeah, Jeff, sorry. But, um, no, but... Um, it is interesting that the first two allies McNamara mentioned were Germany and Japan. Yeah. It's yeah. also very interesting from an Australian point of view that he totally ignores the fact that 64,000 Anzacs fought in Vietnam with over 500 killed and over 3,000 wounded. So we're not seen as being a significant US ally. Well, we're just like another state, aren't we? <laughs> Why are we in this? The important point here is that politicians invariably lie before they take their nations to war. During World War I, another US politician, Hiram Johnson, said, famous quote, the first casualty when war comes is truth. Now, just one more little historical reference. Even the Nazis didn't just march into Poland. Adolf Hitler referred to the invasion as the defense of war, since, as he said, quote, Germans in Poland are persecuted with the bloody terror and driven from their homes. The series of border violations are unbearable to a great power. The day before the invasion, a false flag incident, a very crude false flag incident, was created where German units posing as Polish troops attacked a German radio station. This is not to say that the Polish government was particularly virtuous in the period before the invasion. The point is that even Hitler would come up with a reason as to why he had to go to war, mm. when, of course, he wanted war all along. Yes, of course. That was the plan. Western governments of today believe and behave in quite a similar manner when they want war. There's nothing wrong with people wanting to know the truth about 9-11. That's perfectly fine. should be the case. And demanding that our governments don't lie to us and drag us into any more wars. However, we do need, as you often say, we do need evidence of what did happen in 2001 and we need to use it to change, to help us to change things today. Yes, yes. And I think that's actually more important than who actually did 9-11. I mean, I think the government account stinks on that. I mean, why a building like Building 7 would fall down is beyond, <laughs> beyond reasoning. But... We can get hung up on that. In a way, uh, it's like, in a way, it's like who killed Kennedy, in a way. Yeah, that's right. We know right. it wasn't G. Uh, uh, well, Lee Harvey Oswald. No, no, no. We no, know no, that. No, no. But it's, it's more, what's more important is the role that 9-11 played, regardless of who did it. Mm. It allowed the Americans to justify moving into the Middle East, which they had promised they were going to do in the 1990s. Mm. And what's interesting, too, is I think... What are re Russia's reasons for entering into Syria? Now, beginning in 2011 with the Arab Spring, uh, we saw the West intervene there 
and they basically broke the country up. It's now controlled by... And the Russians were frightened that that was what was going to happen in Syria, and that's right next to them. Mm. So and they've got bases there. They've got bases and, yeah, there, and they didn't want they didn't want the Libya style no. effect to happen in Syria, which is why they're intervening. So they're not intervening for the Syrian people; they're intervening because they didn't want that sort of regime on the Islamist regime. They don't want. They that. didn't want and an Islamist don't regime. Want the West, and they, they certainly didn't want the, the sort of chaos of the country. The countries mm. broke up into bits because their bases would be endangered. So I thought that was quite interesting. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.